0: Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically based, relationally driven, spirit led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, I would like to reiterate Happy Mother's Day. To all the ladies here and all the ladies that are joining us online as well, Um, from the youngest to the oldest, being a part of the staff, I know the gifts and the talents and the time that many of you bring to our church community, and I'm very grateful for that. So, happy Mother's Day. I as, as I said, I am on staff here at City Church. I'm the office administrator, so you may have received an email from me. So I am amy at CityChurchCville.com. If you've called the office and I've happened to be in town, I would have answered the phone and maybe we've had a conversation. I've been doing that for about seven years, but my husband Chris and I have been in Charlottesville for almost 24 years. He's a part of the UVA community. And he and I, along with our three children, have attended City Church for almost 20 years. So our three daughters have grown up here at City Church. Have a picture of them. Um, That's not exactly what they look like now. Um, But as many parents here can know, it doesn't really matter how old they get. Sometimes that picture's stuck in your head. Um, I do have a more recent photo. And as you can see, we've expanded a little bit. Um, Our oldest daughter, Julia, is now married, and that's Andrew, our son-in-law. So Julia and Andrew are in Alaska, doing fun Alaska things. And our middle daughter, Abby, she is here in Charlottesville until she starts grad school in the fall, where she, like her older sister, will go very far away from her mother. Um, That's okay. Um, And our youngest daughter is Claire Claire Baer, she just finished her junior year at Virginia Tech. So they're all Hokies. They would want me to say that, so I'm going to say that. Um, but this morning, as we are thinking about um, those who have influenced us and those over whom we have influence, I thought we would look to the Old Testament and read the biblical account of Deborah. So Deborah, the prophetess and judge, and talk about three ways that God worked through Deborah to influence those around her. Now, when, as we read about Deborah, and really anytime we're in the Old Testament and we're reading about these big biblical heroes and heroines, their names are a large part of the text, but we need to remember that the story is really about God, who God is, what God is doing, scriptures revealing to us his character, his love for his children, Um, and how he was working to reconcile his children back to himself. So when we read about Deborah today, the story is really about God. And speaking of reading, uh, Pete prompted me to say, we're going to read a little more text than normal. So he uh, said to ask you to please hang in there with me as we read text this morning. Um, We're going to be in the book of Judges, chapter 4. If you're unfamiliar with Judges, uh, the context is the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. They have entered into the promised land. They don't have an earthly king. God is their heavenly king, but they do have a judge who's the leader of the government who just oversees the running of the nation. And what you'll see in Judges is that the children of Israel, their hearts will be turned toward God. They are seeking and they're following after him, obeying his laws and commandments. And then there'll be a turning, their hearts will begin to turn. They'll allow outside nations to influence them, other gods and idols to come part of their lives and their hearts will turn away from God. And when this happens, God's favor and protection is removed over them and they find themselves in really bad situations. They're being oppressed by a foreign nation, they're being treated cruelly. And then in, their, in the midst of their suffering, in their anguish, they remember God, and they cry out to him, and because he's a merciful and loving and compassionate God, he responds, he intervenes. He remembers that, they remember that he is who he says he is, and their hearts turn back toward him, and they're seeking and following after him for a time, and then you'll see the cycle all over again. So as you read it, it can be You're like, really? Do they just not get it? But then if you're like me, you get a little uncomfortable (laughs) because it seems a little familiar in your own life. But what Judges is, it's really a beautiful picture of a God who pursues his children, a God who relentlessly pursues his children because of his love for them. So we're gonna start with verses four and five, Judges four, four and five, if you'd like to read along. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Labadoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. So we learn a lot of things about Deborah in these two verses. One, she's a prophet or a prophetess, and that she's a judge. And like I said, what a judge does—the leader of the government over the nation of Israel. So we're talking about a thousand, somewhere between a thousand and twelve hundred years before Christ. So it's really amazing that a woman is a leader of the nation of Israel. She's the only female judge um, this mentioned throughout Judges. But you'll see here that one of her roles as judge is to hold court underneath a palm tree. Um, people who have disagreements and grievances one another will come toward her. She will listen, and then she will dispense justice. So a lot of like the the moms here today, right? The grievances and arguments that come toward you, and then you dispense justice. So that's one role that Deborah played. Um, As Pete always tells us, what people's names mean make a difference. It's, It's important. And so what Deborah means is honeybee. So our middle daughter, Abby, her field of study is biology and entomology, which means she loves bugs. So she's our resident bug girl at our house. So when I asked her about a honeybee, she told me a lot of things because apparently a honeybee is very important and she is a big fan of the honeybee. But I asked her, okay, so in summary, what would you say? And this is what she said, a honeybee pollinates so that others can make seeds so that new life can come forth. So what a honeybee does, pollinates and fertilizes so that seeds can form, so new life can come forth. Um, Remember that picture of a honeybee as we continue to talk about Deborah. Um, So the other thing Deborah is, she's a judge and she's also a prophet, a prophetess, which means she has the divine knowledge of God. So God speaks directly to her and then she speaks it out to the nation of Israel. So she is, she's basically God's mouthpiece to his children. Um, so this is the first lesson that I think we can learn from Deborah, to speak with godly wisdom to those around us. Now we may not be prophets or prophetesses, but if we are in relationship with Jesus, meaning we believe that the work on the cross that he did, his blood that was shed covers our sins, and that three days later, when he rose from the dead, that that means we are no longer bound by sin and death, that he is our savior and king, then we are in relationship with him. And when he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm leaving you a helper and an advocate, and that's the Holy Spirit. So as a believer in Jesus, we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, and that indwelling power gives us access to godly wisdom. So Colossians 1.9 reads, this reason we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a mom, this is something I try to remember to pray every day over my children, uh, that they would have the wisdom and understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. That the decisions they make in their lives, uh, the choices they make in their relationships, it would be rooted in the wisdom and understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. That the wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit would be greater in their life than the wisdom of the world. So it's kind of hard to say exactly what godly wisdom looks like. um, But Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, I think gives us a picture of where godly wisdom can begin. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So there's three directives in this passage. Acknowledge him, recognize God's presence in the situation, trust in him. He is trustworthy, so we can trust in him. And then sometimes the hard part of leaning not on our own understanding So setting aside our desires, um, setting aside maybe what we think we deserve, and leaning not on our own understanding. And the promise is that he will make our path straight. And that doesn't mean our path will be easy. It doesn't mean our path won't have bumps along the way. What it means is our path will be straight according to his will. So today, on Mother's Day, of course, I think about my own mom. Uh, Her name was Sadie, and she passed away about 25 um, years ago. Uh, She had a huge impact on my life. Um, Certainly who I am today is greatly influenced by who she was. But when we were growing up, she had these unique sayings. And I say unique because I never heard anybody else's mom say them. Um, And we never knew, my brother and sister and I never really knew um, if they were passed down through her family or she just made them up. But um, one thing she would say to us, and it was usually when we were making excuses or telling her why we couldn't do something she needed us to do, she would say, stop talking to hear your teeth rattle. (laughs) Has anybody ever heard that? (laughs) No? Maybe she made it up. So stop talking to hear your teeth rattle. And so what I think she meant, because I I knew well enough not to ask her in the moment, what what are you talking about? Uh, What I think she was saying to us was, what's coming out of your mouth right now is not bringing any value to the situation. It's not bringing any value, and so you, you need to close your mouth. So talking to hear your teeth rattle is the opposite of godly wisdom. Godly wisdom, it brings value. And like a honeybee It brings life. So I think the first thing that we can learn from Deborah and influence those around us is to speak with godly wisdom. All right, continue on reading. We're gonna read verses six and seven. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troop to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. So we're introduced to a lot of people here. Um, Barak, not our former president, but Barak was the military leader of Israel. So Barak and Deborah worked together to lead Israel. He led the military, she led the government. Uh, Jabin, he's the Canaanite king, and then his commander of his army is Sisera. So the uh, Canaanites are ruling over the Israelites at this um, time, and they're very cruel oppressors. um, And they're also known for their military strength. So they have 900 chariots fitted with iron. So the Israelites had nothing like this. So the Canaanites were a very formidable uh, enemy. So you see here that uh, God has spoken to Deborah, and Deborah calls Barak, and Deborah um, informs Barak what God has spoken. And you see God's very specific. He says exactly how many men to take and the exact places to go to. So picking up reading in verses eight and nine, Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly, I will go with you," said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. So we see Barak's response here. Um, there's that hesitancy. It's a huge task that uh, Deborah has given him. So we're not sure um, if he, is he fearful? Does he lack faith? And as I kind of toss this around in my head, where I landed was maybe it just says more about who Deborah is than who Barack is. This was a big task. He knew uh, that, God heard, that Deborah heard straight from God and he wanted her alongside him. But Deborah's response, she does give him a little admonishment, say, okay, you're not gonna receive the glory, but certainly I will go with you. So I think that's the second thing that we can learn from Deborah today um, that she encourages and that she's willing to come alongside and model godly character. She knew the faithfulness of God and she was willing to step in alongside Barack and model that character to him. Romans 1.12 says, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So in this big task, Barack needed encouragement and Deborah was willing to come alongside him um, and encourage him, encourage his faith. And we all need encouragement at times, right? Um, I have a friend in my life that I've known for many years. Uh, She's modeled many things for me. Um, She's a Deborah in my life. But I think what she's modeled for me the most in the last four to five years, um, amid um, a cancer diagnosis, the recurrence of that cancer, and then now her husband's cancer diagnosis is unwavering faith. So in the midst of really tough circumstances, what she models for me is unwavering faith. She knows the faithfulness of God and then she reflects that in the way she lives her life. And by me just watching her, that's encouraging to my faith. It reminds me of God's faithfulness to me and it deepens and encourages my faith. Um, I see my friend, Pastor Gabe here. He's gonna get really mad for me saying this. But in his role as pastoral care minister, what he does is he models God's care and compassion for those who find themselves in kind of difficult situations. He models that character to them. He comes alongside them and models that. And by me just watching that and sometimes just chatting with him about what he does, it encourages me. It reminds me, of God's care for me, his compassion for me, and as a follower of Jesus, I'm called to reflect that to those around me. I'm, I'm called to reflect that compassion and that care to those around me. So reading on, and this is the last little bit that we'll read, verses 12 through 15. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from Harasheth Hagoyim to the Kishon River, all his men, and his 900 chariots filled with iron. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with his 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance... The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. So what we see here is what God said would happen. It's a victory for Israel. It's a total rout of the enemy. And I love Deborah's encouragement and reminder there. Go. Has not God promised you a victory, has he not gone before you? That encouragement to Barak, and then you see his response. There's no hesitancy now, right? And we don't know a lot about Barak, other than this account, except in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, it's kind of, um, there's a list of the hall of fame of people of faith. So you have Moses, you have Abraham, you have Rahab, and what we see here is that Barak, is included in that hall of fame of faith. So somewhere in Barak's life, he began to be known as a man of great faith. I don't know if this is where that transformation began or happened, but he became known as a person of great faith. Now reading in the next chapter, you'll see how the victory came about. So um, there was a supernatural weather event, torrential rain, and there was hail. Um, And this was in the midst of the dry season when there was 0% chance of rain. So it would be like um, a snowstorm here in the middle of July. So it was supernatural, God intervened. The rivers flooded, the ground was a muddy, boggy mess. And guess what's pretty useless in a muddy, boggy mess, chariots. So God um, totally rendered these um, 900 chariots useless. So what the Canaanites' faith was in, it was in their military and in their strength and in their chariots were rendered useless. And the Israelites' faith was in for, the, for the victory was in the promise that God had given them. So the last thing um, I think we can learn from Deborah, if you look at chapter five, just the title of chapter five is called The Song of Deborah. So what this is, it's a song, it's a poem uh, that Deborah pens after this victory. And what it does, it just gives... total glory and credit to God for the victory. She takes no credit for herself. Uh, she, takes, uh, she gives Barack no credit, but she recognizes that the victory is God and God alone. And not only does she recognize it, but she sings it and recites it so that all those around her know it as well. And so that's the third and final thing I think we can learn from Deborah today is that she acknowledges God in the victories in our life. She acknowledges God in the good. Um, James 1:17 says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. So a question for us today, do we acknowledge God and the good things in our life? Do we recognize when he has intervened on our behalf, um, when he has removed us from a situation, or maybe when he has placed us in a situation? The scripture says that every good thing comes from God. So Deborah knew where the victory came from, and she made sure that all those around her knew that as well. So When we talk about putting feet to our faith, uh, the three things I think we can learn from Deborah today um, that can influence the people around us is by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, we can speak with godly wisdom to those around us. Uh, We can encourage and we can build up and we can model godly character. And when I say godly character, what I mean is um, who he says he is in the Old Testament. In Exodus, I am merciful, I am compassionate, I am trustworthy, I am loving, I am unfailingly faithful. And then in the New Testament, all those characteristics that are embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. As we talked about forgiveness today, That is a characteristic of the God we serve. He is a forgiving God. So maybe that's a characteristic that we need to model uh, to someone around us. And lastly, acknowledging God in the victories in our life. Seeing the good in our life and thanking God and giving him glory and giving him credit for the good in our life. Um, So putting feet to our faith, I want to encourage you to be a Deborah. Um, You know, some of you might be saying, well, that's not really where I am today, and that's okay. So what I would say to you is find a Deborah. Find someone who can speak godly wisdom into your life. Find someone who can encourage and build you up and model godly character to you. And lastly, find someone who um, can point out the good in your life and point your eyes to God um, and make sure that you can be thankful for that. So thank you for letting me share today. I'll pass it off to Pete.
1: Amen. Amy, thank you for that, that wonderful message. And what we're going to do now is I'm going to ask that all the ladies would stand, from the youngest to the oldest, if all of the ladies would stand. What I'm going to do is just pray a brief prayer. And then normally, if you're a part of City, you know that we actually proclaim the ironic blessing over all of us. We're not going to do it that way today. What we're actually going to do is we're going to sing the worship song, The Blessing. So we're going to sing that together, but I would like to pray a blessing over all the ladies that are standing in God's presence. Lord, I thank you, and Jesus, I thank you for who you are. Jesus, I thank you that throughout your earthly ministry, you elevated the station of women. And even on the cross, in the midst of your agony, you reached out and made sure that your mother was taken care of. So, Jesus, we know that you are mindful of all the ladies that are here. Bless them and cover them and keep them. And we trust you for this. Lord, I pray also for every woman and every man in this sanctuary or online that we would take to heart the sermon that Amy preached and we would put feet to our faith and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.